0: We are back once again. Welcome to the FFS podcast. I'm your host, Praddy, and this is episode 24, part 18. Yep, we've done 17 so far. And of course, the next number is number 18. So here we are. So welcome back to those of you who've been listening and stayed with us all the way from part one. And to those of you who've just joined us, I'll give you a brief introduction of how this particular special episode has been structured. So essentially, throughout the month of January, I'll be hosting a whole load of guests who are basically fans of various clubs from across the world. Now, the topics that they've chosen, or rather the topics that we discussed throughout each part, have been chosen by the guests themselves. I've had minimal to no involvement in those episodes, apart from maybe a few, and I will mention those in particular uh, when we get to it. But and at the end of each part i will also ask our guests what their favorite moments were from 2019 as well as from the end of as well as from the past decade because we are at the start of a new era or rather a new decade so anyway here for part 18 we're going to be talking about chelsea yeah i think for this particular episode we haven't spoken much about the blue half of london but or rather the blue third of london but here we are nonetheless and i've got uh, a chelsea supporter with me on the podcast his name's ashfaq who you've definitely heard of if you've listened to our previous podcast but i'll ask him to give you a quick introduction of himself again so ashfaq would you like to introduce yourself
1: yes uh hey guys this is ashfaq here and uh, i'm going to be talking about chelsea and that's, that's that's the team i'm i'm actually supporting and I've done around uh, I mean, was, how many podcasts is it, uh, Perry? Is it two or
0: one? Yeah, I two. Exactly I, I think two. Yeah, I think it's like two or three. I think two. I'm definitely yeah. sure it's two. But yeah,
1: and notably the one uh, there was one podcast about uh, Pulisic, and it turned out to be a lucky charm because right after we did that podcast, he started uh, playing regularly, and uh, he started started you know playing more games as in, in the first eleven. And then you know what happened.
0: (laughs) Amen. But all right. so what we're going to be discussing in today's part is going to be, I mean, not only a year in review, uh, but more specifically looking at a team that is in transition and wondering, going to question whether they are, and pardon me for this pun, whether they're lost in transition or they have found a way through it. So essentially going to look at how this year began with Sari, and then gradually progressing towards how they've coped with the losses of Sari and Hazard in particular and how Frank has kind of rejuvenated the squad by promoting youth. So, I mean, Ashwag, give me, okay, I have not asked this to anybody else, but I'm going to ask you this. If you were to describe 2019 in three words, what would they be?
1: words uh, Sorry for the hazard. That's four words. Ah.
0: That's four. Cool. But <laughs> Okay, okay, fine. Let I'll keep it at it it four
1: it's, it's words, something, man. It is something, okay, fine. Four words. Then I can say sorry for the hazard. Okay. So that, that yeah. I mean, like we lost sorry and we lost hazard. I mean sorry wasn't that big of a loss, but hazard was literally our messy man. I mean his his loss has has had a huge impact. And I mean, we can we'll talk about it in as the podcast goes, but this is how I would describe twenty nineteen, you know? Sari for the hazards.
0: Alright, so I mean obviously coming into twenty nineteen, you were battling it for top four. Given how twenty eighteen season twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen season started was quite promising under Sari. I mean obviously there was a lot of moaning and whining from the fans. Because it was not the kind of football that they wanted to see. Jorginho was still finding his feet. Sarri, ball hadn't really come into fruition. And yeah, I mean, I mean, Kante was playing, I think, a little more of an aggressive role than he's actually supposed to. He's more of a CDM. And so, coming into 2019, there was, I mean, obviously a battle for the top four position with the likes of Spurs, uh, Arsenal and Manchester United, right? So, what did you kind of were you confident going into say April May time towards the end of the season that you would get top four or was there always that doubt given the inconsistencies amongst between all these teams?
1: To be honest, uh, I was actually quite confident, you know, that we'll we'll finish top four because United were kind of you know they were they were in a roller coaster of a form and uh, even arsenal was also kind of inconsistent with with Unai emery but uh, my only fear was about spurs but we, we managed to do it even even with all the all the you know mourning from the fans and all the pressure on Sari. he still managed to get the top four spot but uh, like you said you know it was it wasn't the kind of style chelsea is known to play and he tried to adopt a different style. And I want to quote Hazard here. It was something he said recently. He said that, uh, you know, he finds it much easier to play under uh, non-Italian coaches because Italian coaches tend to be repetitive. You know, he, was, he wasn't he was willing to try something different. He was stuck to one style and he was expecting it to work every single time. You know, like like how Lampard is doing now... He's 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 not he's not sticking to one particular style. Uh, he's he's one one match he plays attractive attacking football, and on another match he plays a different formation. He's he's not stuck to one single formation and one single style of play. He's he's trying different kinds of things, and he's he's adapting towards the opponent. I mean, in the beginning, it's it's worked out even with all the you know uh, because of the transfer ban, he wasn't able to buy players. But he 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 used the players he had in his disposal. You know, he used he 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 really developed Mount well. He's he's brought out Tammy well. He's brought out Pulisic. I mean, after our after our podcast, we said we 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 kind of predicted he would start after like six to seven games. But around in in, in another, another week or two after our podcast, he started He started games, and he started performing really well. But what I would say is, you know, um, we need we need a creative player in the team. You know after Hazard. Hazard would just dribble past everyone and create a lot of chances. But there was... Uh, after after Diego Costa had left, Morata was there for a while. And, you know, in the beginning, he was really good. But then the pressure really got to him. And he, he didn't have the mental strength to, you know, be that guy up front. But now that we have Tammy, who's who's really good, I mean, after Drogba, after after Costa, I think Tammy is the kind of player that's that's really strong up front. But we don't have a creative player to give that uh, service to Tammy. I mean, there is Mount, there is Pulisic, there is uh, Calmus and Nadoi, but they are all technical players. They are all dribblers, and uh, there is no creativity in the team. That's what's lacking right now. But in terms of midfield, we've actually kind of set. I feel you know there is Kovacic, there is J- Jorginho, there is Kante, and uh, I would like to disagree on one point you had said before. You know how you said. Kante is more of a Syrian than an aggressive player, but whether it was under Sari, whether it was under Lampard, he's he's been playing a more of an advanced role. And uh, under Sari, it wasn't really working that well. But under Lampard, I think it, it's really having a good effect. You would see, you know, if you, you could see the effect in some games where you know he would just pull a Messi out there. You know, he would just dribble pass everyone and you know go and try to uh, get a shot. Or it just it's worked sometimes. There was one particular goal recently where he would just he dribbled uh, past a lot of players and then scored a goal as well. So he's trying. He's he's starting to adapt to that advanced role. And Kovacic, my God, he's like a bargain man for forty million. Real Madrid really gave us a really good deal. So Kovacic and Kanté and Jorginho, they they kind of being rotated uh, along with Mason Mount. So he's he's been playing two different formations mainly. He's been playing 4 3 one and he's been playing the 4-3-3. So, you know, he kind of adapts towards the players, uh, Lampard. Uh, but, when, when in terms of him, when under Sari, we were playing repetitive football. It was all Sari ball, Sari ball. And people, eventually, pe- in, the, in the beginning, it was really attractive. But eventually, people figured how it how it uh, works and they started beating us. I mean, we lost uh, 4-0 to Bournemouth, man. And then just... Just thought, thought that we'll recover from it. But again, we lost a City after that. That's when Sari was really, you know, he was done. He was done at Chelsea. That's it. So, after that, there was no, you know, there was no hope of keeping him. But he did. He did win us a trophy. But still, just, just like how Valverde lost uh, his place in Barcelona, man. He wasn't playing the kind of football that the club is known to play. That's why we brought in Lampard. But... I would say Lampard needs time to, you know, actually uh, get the club to the level that they were they were before Sari before you know Conte. Uh, no,
0: so I mean, uh, talking about Sari, okay, let's let I want to just talk now purely about Sari initially, and then we'll get to Lampard obviously next. But talking about Sari, I mean, where do you think he lost lost it at Chelsea? Was it the dressing room that he lost finally? Because I don't know. If, like you mentioned Hazard and you quoted him on something. I don't know whether it was Gary Cahill or someone else who said that he's so stuck or adamant. He Like, Sarri so stuck and adamant on one type of style of play. Lewis. David Lewis. David Lewis? Not yeah, God. it could be. I mean, one of the ex-Chelsea players who basically now said that... I mean, or it could be someone who's currently there because Sarri is no longer there. But someone who said that Sarri is so adamant, so stubborn about his style of play... That it was a little difficult to adapt to it. He was not very flexible, but obviously he's a nice guy, and it's you could see it even on the touchlines. Not like he was one of those morose, uh, Phillips, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Scolari type guys who looked like the end. It was the end of the world for him. He still enjoyed the way uh the football was being played. I remember him having that laugh with Klopp as well after the Chelsea. Uh, Liverpool game where we drew 1-1 and uh, I mean it's I mean yeah so do you think that his stubbornness his adamant behavior on like uh, towards the style of play rather was kind of the where the players drew the line and said listen I mean we can't be doing this for long so I mean he has to go at some point
1: yeah, that's what, because you know he wasn't adapting to the to the to the league, you know he was trying to force his style of play in the beginning, it was working because he's a new manager, it's a new style of play to the to the to the league, so they were trying to figure out what he's trying to do but once once they figured it, it was getting really repetitive and it was getting really boring, and people started figuring it out you know so I mean we finished what second no third, I think yeah, we finished third that's that's kind of a good place compared to you know the, the kind of stick he was getting it was it's, it's actually a good finish but with the team we had with hazard we can really do better uh that's that's, that's, I, that's mean, why he I mean has his place actually.
0: Yeah. I mean hazard is kind of the guy who has an up and down season it's i can't yeah. say that i mean i kind of disagree with the point like because we have hazard we can do better history has shown that hazard has one good season and then one re- really bad season and technically when Chelsea. When he has a really, really good season, Chelsea do well. I'm not saying win the league because probably you would have done if City and Liverpool aren't so strong or weren't so strong. But yeah, actually, I think that's also true. I, I mean, when Hazard, so it's like, yeah. I mean, obviously, Sarri got was lucky in this in a way that he got the season where Hazard performed so great. You can exactly. see it to the Europa League. Final. But uh, I mean, to say that we could have done better, I think that the other two teams are just too awful. You needed that kind of squad depth to even compete with it. But I think with Hazard, the mag- the way that you actually came third, uh, I mean, is actually testament to how good. Yeah, that's for if, if if it
1: wasn't for Hazard, if it wasn't for Hazard, they would have come third. I mean, he was. You can see the effect in in the, the team though after he left. He was literally carrying the team. He was he was dribbling past everyone. He was creating chances. He was scoring goals. I mean, right now we have tiny scoring goals. We have mount mount scoring goals. But there's still that creative spark, you know that that spark is missing. And uh, I hope we replace we get someone creative in this window. But I don't see it happening. I don't see anything happening in this window. I think uh, Lampard is not trying to disturb the balance of the team. I think he might wait till the summer to actually get new players. But that's what I've been saying, you know, without Hazard, there's there's that spark missing. And the transfer ban, it hit us even worse, you know. This The summer window kind of went without any signings. So, the transfer ban hit us even even more with a, with a new manager. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay. So, we'll come to the transfer window in just a short bit. I just want to get your thoughts on one last question about Sari. Why is it that Sari, under Sari, the role of Kante and Jorginho were... I mean, in a way, was Sari kind of, like, too early? As in, people didn't give him time for him to help Kante and Kovacic and Jorginho kind of, Jorginho, sorry, uh, like, mold into the roles. Because we see Frank Lampard, and like you mentioned, I, I see Kante as a CDM purely because of his Leicester days and his early Chelsea days. But as you said, he is adapting to that more attacking style of play. And obviously under Lampard it's working like you said versus Sari it wasn't really and so are we giving Sari too much stick when it comes to that when actually because it's a new role to these players that it needed time and us being fans are impatient nowadays and we don't give that
1: Surely surely, like you said it needed time but you know if if you see see how Lampard is doing and if you see how Sari is doing it Sari was kind of repetitive I, I keep repeating the same point again but he was being repetitive he was not he was not you know uh, changing the style to suit another team like let's say you lost against uh, uh, this particular team in in one game the next game he was still playing the same kind of styles he was basically he was playing doing the same thing again and again and he was expecting different results but lampard if you see he's he's change he's rotating the team around he's switching things around you know just just to try something different and it's working it's working for lampard it wasn't working for sarri that's that's the difference that's that's why i mean yeah he would he should have been given time, but if he's going to be doing the same thing again and again again, why should he be given time one season is good enough to prove himself he did win he did win a silverware, but it's still not enough, you know uh to no, so,
0: so is it down to tactics rather than Anything else that, that it came down to Frank Lampard being a little more flexible when it came to different teams and being I mean, a little more open, letting them interchange between themselves, whereas Sarri was just adamant and stuck to one true principle that he had, one true philosophy?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely even even conte was uh, a bit flexible man he's also an italian coach and he, he was, even he was uh, flexible he didn't at the beginning he was the one who started this whole uh, three at the back uh, kind of style uh, in 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 this uh, you know in this decade he's the one who started it in the premier league and then everyone started following it but even he was not that adamant to his style you know he was kind of trying to flex he was trying to you know uh, be flexible with his style but the the reason why he was sacked is because he lost the dressing room. That's the why. That's why he was sacked. But he was playing the kind of football what Chelsea was meant to play.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I I I mean, you've made it uh, quite clear as to what your thoughts are on this, on the difference in style of play and the difference in obviously the consequential consequential results uh, on the field performance. That is, but I mean, okay. So now let's move on to the. Transfer ban. Okay, it's been a huge talking point about Chelsea. Uh, You've obviously now won the appeal, so I think January, from January, I mean, this transfer window as well as the summer transfer transfer window, Frank Lampard has the opportunity to buy. But that wasn't the case six months ago, when in August Frank Lampard came into the job fully aware that he was not going to be able to spend, and uh, despite that, in Frank Lampard's reign started off quite well. Uh, you had attacking football. The first game was obviously a disaster, but still showed progressive signs, especially for a neutral watching Chelsea. And I'm sure even for the fans. But obviously we've seen over time that uh, the results have caught up. I mean, the games have caught up to the players. They're truly now understanding how tiresome the entire... uh, And when I say players, I mean the youngsters who've been incorporated into the squad. That they've kind of realizing how tough and tiring and how uh, tight the fixture schedule is for the premier league especially come december onwards and with the champions league the league cup fa cup all in full effect it's not been the best of times for chelsea but i wanted to get your thoughts on the transfer ban and how much it's actually impacted the squad obviously with hazard leaving and the inability to buy a, a replacement for hazard but i could the argument is that i mean that you already had Pulisic coming in that you bought last January. You had Kovacic who you bought because you had the you had to. I don't know if it's an option or the obligation to buy. So you did that, and so what? How much of an effect did it really have?
1: The uh, main one, the main uh, the the sorry, wait, what was? Yeah, I feel the biggest effect of this transfer ban is is in the squad depth because. Um, even even last season we we lacked the squad depth to compete with uh, teams like City and uh, Liverpool. Um, so after Hazard left, we got Pulisic yes, and we got uh, Kovacic too. But that's still not enough to compete with Chelsea and I mean uh, City and Liverpool. Man, uh, if you see when when injuries happen and when when we were reliant on Tammy uh, as our main man up front, but if he gets injured, we have someone like Giroud who doesn't suit Lampa's style of play and he's going to be shipped off this window. And we have Batshuai who was amazing in in Dortmund, But he is he's not smart. Like he's not he's not he's not suit he's, I won't say he's not he's bad, but in the games he's played, he's been given enough chances to prove himself to be Lampa's main man. If everyone thought Batshuai is better than Tammy when the season started, but as the season progressed, he he kind of you know proved that he's not the guy to rely on if Tammy is injured. So, what we really need is depth, and what we really need is new players, not exactly uh, you know not exactly world class players, but we need someone who, who we can rely on, you know, who we can uh, count on. That I mean, in 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 the beginning, this whole attacking football was good. I mean, last season. IAX showed that you know the uh, beautiful attacking football is, is is really attractive to watch, but in the Premier League that's not the case, man. I mean, like you said, there is fixture congestion. There is uh, more than uh, there is FA Cup, there is League Cup, there is the uh, Champions League, and the Premier League. So there's a lot of competitions you have to play in. Without score depth, we cannot do. We can, you cannot uh, succeed in the in the way you play. So yeah, we definitely had a big impact with with the transfer ban. All
0: right. In terms of promoting the youth, though, right? Was the transfer ban in any way... Obviously, personally, I think it it was responsible for how Frank Lampard went about injecting or promoting youth into the team. Uh, But the question I have is, was that anyway going to happen with a manager like Frank Lampard? We saw him come from Derby County... Uh, a relatively fresh coach, but one who's risen through the ranks. Well, not fr- of Chelsea, but from an early age was in the Chelsea setup. Has pushed his way into becoming an icon of the club, and so it. If it was only logical that we'd see him try and promote or do the same with the youngsters in the squad, right? Or rather, in the academy. So. Like, if I were to ask you how much of a percentage the transfer ban had in terms of enabling youth to get promoted into the first team, how much of a percentage would you actually place on the transfer ban? And how much percentage would you say that it was Frank Lampard? It was inevitable that he was going to play youngsters. I don't think the transfer ban had that much of an influence. So, give I me the percentage, wise.
1: I would say a 75%. Because... You know, like you said, yeah, it's it's Lampard. You know, he was eventually, he was definitely going to promote the youth players. Without, if it was any other coach, you wouldn't see Tami play in the first team, again, ahead of guys like uh, Giroud and Batshuayi. You wouldn't see players like uh, Tomori start uh, ahead of Zuma and Rod Rudiger and Christensen. I mean, Tomori has really come out man i mean he's he's been rock solid at the back and this wouldn't have happened under any other coach whether it was a transfer ban or not he had ridiger he had zuma and he had christiansen he's he still started he sold Louis, and he's, he's starting tomori and everyone doubted him in the beginning but tomori really proved that he's he's the guy to look for at the back all he needs is a solid pairing that's all and same same is the case with mount you know mount has been really good and we have enough depth in midfield to rotate around. But what we really need is someone who is experienced and someone who is creative. You know, That's all we need in the, in the midfield. And in the defence also, we need someone with experience. That's all. Just a couple of solid signings and this team is perfect, man. That's all.
0: So, I mean, that's all that was missing from the transfer window. So, essentially, had Lampard come in, he would have maybe got those two or three signings that you really deserved. And we exactly. would have maybe seen the likes of Tammy Abraham Tamori, and all be first team starters sure okay fine and i want to ask you one question and I, because i wanted to talk to a chelsea fan about this how much success how much of uh, success is would you say is your youth loan system or the loan model that chelsea is so famous for uh because we're seeing like the likes of Tammy Abraham, Timori and Callum Hudson-Odoi and all these, Reese James and all these small, uh, these youngsters who've probably gone on loan at some point or the other and come back and now are now flourishing in the Premier League. So, how much of a like, would you say is that's down to how good your loan models are, that you're sending these youngsters to play regular team football in some of the More, I mean, obviously, less than Premier League competitive, but still competitive leagues where they know how it is to fight for every point, for every goal, for every goal conceded or uh, scored.
1: See, uh, we we buy a lot of youth and like a lot, I mean a lot. Even uh, De Bruyne was uh, very young when he came to Chelsea and when he went on loan he really proved himself but it depends it hugely depends on how the uh, coach sees how, the coach sees how 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 useful the player is um if you ask me it's quite successful because we don't really have to look in the uh, look in the market for you know new players we we have a beautiful youth system and when we bring them back we they've really proved themselves like you said the, the names you've mentioned Reese James whether it has to be Mark uh, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham uh, Tomori all of them have proved themselves this season and they've they've proved how 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 much of a success our Chelsea's team is if you compare this Chelsea's uh, team with any other league i can i can bet even if it's Manchester United they've Chelsea's youth have been performing much better than Manchester United. That's all. That's that's more than uh, enough to say how successful the youth team is.
0: Okay. Uh yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I think it's all for us to see. I mean, it's all there for us to see. Rather, uh, the performances that we're seeing day in day out from the likes of Tammy Abraham versus, say, an Arsenal or a United. Yes, they have the successful, successful young youth players. I'm not going to count Rashford in there, but I'm saying Mason Greenwood, Brandon Williams for United, and Saka, Martinelli and all for... I mean, 8th league, Maitland Niles for Arsenal. So, yeah, I think... I would have to agree with you there.
1: But... Uh, yeah, because generally, right. if you, yeah. Yeah, generally, if you see teams like Arsenal and United are known to promoting their youth, but lately it hasn't been working for them. But if you see Chelsea this season, it's it's been working out really good. So... In a way, the transfer ban has actually helped the p- promotion of youth and it has t- Actually, has proved that our youth, the, the our our youth system is actually working. But yeah, like I said, it's 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 only for a particular amount of time. Like you said, it's only for a, a short period of time. When when the fixture congestion starts, we start uh, they start choking. So you know, we really need a couple of solid transfers to actually have a good chance at any tournament we are in right now. Maybe. In in the, in the Premier League, we might not have much of a chance for the top two spots because Liverpool has really cemented their uh, cemented their title chances. But in terms of at least in terms of Europa League, we can have a good chance in if if we don't get you know uh, the other other tournaments. So we need a really good uh, uh, try, We really need to we really need to make a good amount of signings this window to have any chance of silverware.
0: Okay, let me ask you this. What was your favorite moment or moments rather from 2019 as a Chelsea fan?
1: From 2019, <laughs> okay, so I would say my favorite moment of 2019 would be how you know uh, Lampard, who played under Mourinho, beat his team Spurs. I mean, yes, yeah, Spurs is still under transition, but it was still still a good victory for Lampard. You know, it kind of shows. Uh, you know the favorite quote uh, facing the monster you created yeah so i was really happy how chelsea beat uh, spurs with a clean sheet that too, with with uh, morino really playing really good under uh, with with spurs he was developing ali really well but chelsea still managed to beat spurs with a clean sheet so that would say that w- that, that would be my favorite moment of 2019
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it wasn't really surprising for me, given how Chelsea, I mean, Frank Lampard already had done over Jose Mourinho when he was at Manchester United, when they played Derby County in the League Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And he won there as well. So, yeah, plus I wouldn't call Spurs under transition. More likely that they are now in a recession rather than a transition period. Uh, All right. Uh, What was your not-so-favorite moment of 2019?
1: So, favorite moment would be obviously uh, losing the first game against United. You know, a team like United that was really doing bad and losing four nil to start the season that was really horrifying. I was, it was it kind of gave doubts on how Lampard would start the season. But the game was promising. You know, they they played really well, but four nil was too hard to take.
0: Yeah, I mean, I watched it and I felt that it the result was flattering for United, I think Chelsea had. Played the was the better team, at least played better, but they played really, really had...
1: better. But the scoreline was really horrifying to watch, you know, four, uh, you know, giving away four goals without a return. It was kind of horrifying to watch with the way they played, you know, it, they played really, really amazing, but it was there was the scoreline didn't show that.
0: No, that's true. I mean, sometimes you get these matches when the other side's just a little more clinical, and yeah, yeah. I, I guess that happened. But okay, and what was your favorite moment from the entire decade?
1: Entire decade would definitely be the moment where uh, you know uh, the 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 Dimbabwe scored and uh real slipped. That's still the that's still the best moment of the decade, man.
0: Okay. Funny, funny, extremely funny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: or or I would say or I would say how they beat uh, uh, Barcelona. That was a kind of an iconic moment for uh, Chelsea because that that kind of got them. Really far in 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 the Champions League and uh,
0: really far really, in the Champions. League. You won the Champions League that year.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of the uh, was it the first? Yeah, first Champions League. I, I think yeah.
0: Yeah, you only won once, dude. <laughs> Not like too much <laughs> history in that. competition. So yeah,
1: so that that would be. I, w- I won't say a one. I won't say one particular moment. I would say those two particular moments were uh, really good in in the decade. The one was one was where uh Jadal slipped, and they they kind of gave away the title. That was one moment, and another moment was the Champions League. So those those were the only two uh, iconic moments of two thousand the whole decade.
0: And your not so favorite moment from the decade.
1: Not so favorite moment uh, would be how uh, Quante was uh, you know stacked i mean he was a really good coach and the way he lost it in the end it was not really good to see
0: okay i mean that's... that's or uh, i would
1: say or i would say how uh, hazard uh, was hazard left the team you know that was also a big loss to chelsea so that was also not my favorite moment of uh, the decade
0: okay fine perfect uh all right so and what I mean, considering that we at the start of a new decade, what are your expectations going forward? So,
1: going forward for this decade, I would say that replacing Hazard is a priority. I mean, I I don't think he can be... I'm not going to say he can't be replaced. But uh, replacing him would bring Chelsea back to where it was. Because all we need is one solid player who can create chances and who can, you know... Be that central uh, role of the team, uh, and one the the second thing I would say is uh, promoting the youth and giving them more chances. So because we've seen this season how good they are, so bringing them to the uh, to the to the light and bringing them forward, uh, giving them more chances and promoting them is what I would like to see in the next decade.
0: Okay, I mean, the way you start left off last decade as one of the biggest teams or the most successful teams in England because I think you had the most number of trophies of last decade in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, it I would have thought that you just want more trophies coming this year. But I'm glad that you're seeing a little more. I mean, as a fan, uh, you want more development of the team, a, a longer-term vision, which has not been the case for a while now at Chelsea. I think Yeah, I mean we gave
1: Sari is- only one season. <laughs> he didn't even give him a chance. And like I've said in the previous podcast, maximum every every manager has been there for a maximum of two seasons. And I would like that to change in this decade. I want Lampa to stay for a longer time and I want him to be given more time because he's been really uh, doing well with the youth and with a with a good squad with a world-class squad, we I want to see how he does. And uh, so, yeah, I want a long-term uh, plan for Chelsea. Like, I mean, yeah, trophies are important. Trophies is what uh, uh, defines the success of a club. But I want to see long-term development in this team, you know.
0: No, that's that's quite mature of a Chelsea fan, really. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, do you think... Okay, let me ask you. Do you think that there'll be any change in the ownership anytime soon?
1: Uh. I don't think so because, as far as I know, there's been no news of a new ownership. But uh, I hope uh, you know uh, Lampard is given a good amount of time and not the usual two seasons, or not not like how Sari was given just one season. I hope he's given more than two seasons to give uh, prove himself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like I spoke to an earlier Chelsea fan, and he also said I think the I think one of the well conspiracy theories or the theories floating around is that. Um, Abramovich kind of signed Lampard as a manager because he wants to prevent himself from sacking a manager too soon. Because sacking Lampard quite early, given how he's done so far, would be kind of sacrilege in terms of uh, uh, amongst the fans. And I don't think the fans would stay stand for it, especially for a, for an icon such as Frankie. And I think if given three years down the line he doesn't perform, then maybe you'll see. Uh, fans turn their heads slightly but I think given given that I think Chelsea fans also know how mammoth of a task it is right now for him that time is of the essence Um, yeah yeah. so uh, okay so I guess that's all we have that's all the time we have for this podcast uh, episode part whatever you want to call it thanks Ashfak for being a part of this episode or part I mean I keep forgetting about it but yeah Uh, It was a pleasure having you and we definitely catch up with you soon with more Chelsea content. Sure. And, uh, well, thanks again for those of you who have been listening right from part one. And for those of you who have even joined us right now, I'd recommend you go and listen to part one and all of the other parts as well. Uh, Definitely different insights to different teams and different clubs and different fans. So it's, it's definitely different. And so... I guess that's, uh, oh yeah, before I, before I leave. Don't forget to leave a like, drop in a comment, share with friends and family, and even subscribe to the podcast channel as well as follow us on Twitter. Um, I guess that's it for episode 24, part 80. I'm your host, Praddy once again, and good night.